You know, there are very few things that are more beautiful than, than sitting up here on Sunday mornings and hearing the body of Christ worshiping in unity together. Now, just, just this morning as I was sitting here, and you should all come up front sometime and try this. It is, a, it is truly a beautiful thing to experience, to hear us as a body worshiping together. I believe there are a few things more beautiful than the body of Christ itself. You know, the church is, is, I think, one of the great gifts that God has given us. You know, Bill Hybels once said, the church, the local church is the hope of the world. Now, I understand, I think, what Hybels was saying is that, is that through the Jesus that we serve and who has saved us through him and us presenting and, and introducing people to Jesus Christ, the local church is the hope of the world because of Jesus Christ. We have the good news to offer. We have the good news to give to a, a hurting and a dying world. You know, he also said this once. He said, there is nothing like the local church when it is working right. Its beauty is indescribable. Its power is breathtaking. Its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and it heals the broken in, in the context of community. It builds bridges to seekers and opens its arms and frees the oppressed and offers belonging to the marginalized of this world. The potential of the local church is almost more than I can grasp. And when the local church is functioning with Christ as its head and we being the body, that's a reality. That it is something so beautiful it is almost not describable. And I believe wholeheartedly and I love the local church. And it is our spiritual family. And that family does matter. It's important to be a part of the church family. And this morning I want to talk about, about church membership. And at Fairlawn, we value membership. And I know right now some of you are already thinking of turning me off because, because that gives you a bad taste in your mouth when I say the word membership. But I want you to stay with me. I want you to hear me out. I want you to understand my heart this morning for this. And for, for many people, there, there, are, there are several reasons why they may not want to be a part, to become a member of a church. Some people would rather just not, because they, they, they would rather not be committed to a body, to any organization. You know, in, in society today, there is a lack of commitment in many areas. And I talk to a lot of pastors who say that they struggle with getting people to be committed. But when you look at Scripture, and we'll look at, if you would turn with me to Acts chapter 2, we're going to go back to where we were at last week. So, so you may not be a part of a, of a local church because you don't want to commit. You want to keep your options open for maybe something better. 
For some of you, membership is, leaves a bad taste in your mouth because you've been hurt in the past. And oftentimes our view of church membership is shaped by past experiences. And I want to acknowledge to you this morning that, that I recognize and I realize that churches hurt people. Especially when, when they're not functioning in the way that, that they were designed to function. This beautiful picture of, of the body working together, the church hurts people. Some of you have been, have been spiritually bullied and abused in a situation that you have been in. And you've had man-made rules that have, that have been imposed on you in order to control you. Some of you have been hurt by, by church splits or you've seen a lot of hurtful things said and done. And so you want nothing to do with a formal membership to protect yourself from ever being hurt again. And I would agree that that's not what church should be like. And it's not fair and I'm sorry if you've ever been hurt in a local church. And it breaks my heart when I see that happening. But this isn't what membership is about here. It's not about controlling you. It's not about telling you what you can and you can't wear. But it is about us together being the body of Christ. Now for some of you, you're committed to the local church. You've maybe not necessarily been hurt by the local church, but, but, but you don't think that membership is biblical. That nowhere in Scripture can you find that, that you need to be a part of the local church. That you need to be, become a formal member of the church. And, and you know what? I've wrestled with that in the past myself. Is membership biblical? You know, I wish Paul would have someplace in Galatians or Ephesians put in a verse where it said, you know, once you've been a part of this assembly in Galatia for six months, then you need to go through a three-week class on membership, and at the end of those three weeks, share your testimony, and then you will be a part of the church in Galatia. I would love if he would have said that, and I could go there and say, okay, here's what Paul said. So this is what we're going to do. But I can't find that. And frankly, you know, it would be much easier for us just to make everybody a membership by association. That once you start coming here, you're a part of the body. And when you're small, when there's 50 or 60 people, you can do that. And as a leadership, we have discussed this issue of membership a lot. And we recognize that although on the front end it would be much easier to do membership that way, the long-term impact of that, I believe, is unhealthy when we approach church this way. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, is it biblical? Did Jesus talk about church membership? Does the New Testament Talk about membership. Is it important even to be a part of a local body? Can I just do this on my own? Well, when we look at Acts chapter 2, if you remember, let's go back there. Last week we talked about baptism and the importance of baptism. 
And how here in Acts chapter 2, after the Holy Spirit had come upon the people and upon Peter, and Peter gets up and he preaches this, this very eloquent message. And at the, end of him, at the end of his message, the people asked Peter, what shall we do? After this, they were convicted of their sin, they asked, what, Peter, shall we do? And Peter's answer was, repent and be baptized. But as you read on, that wasn't the end of the church. That was just the beginning. You see, baptism is just the beginning of our journey with Christ and with other believers. Because then if you go down to verse 41, it says, in Acts chapter, it says, those who accepted the message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000 people were baptized. And then it says, here's what they did. You know, they didn't just go home and go about their business doing their own thing back into the routine of life. It says that, that they devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There was commitment there. They gave themselves to something. There was repentance and baptism, and then there was the beginning of this journey where, where each member, each person poured themselves into being learners. Because it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learners. And as a baptized believer, you need to be a learner. You need to be discipled. Remember Jesus, before he left, he said that he told the disciples to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them. A disciple is a believer who is engaged in his faith, who is learning and growing and discipling other people. They're engaged. These people were engaged. Now here in Acts chapter 2, the church really grew organically. It grew naturally as the word spread and the message spread. People, more and more people began to become believers. You know, there was no structure in place. There was no membership class taught in Acts chapter 2. So why don't we just do it like that? Why don't we just do it like the church in Acts did? Well, what I find interesting is that when you get to Acts chapter 6, all of a sudden, there begins to be a structure that is put in place. Acts chapter 6, in verse 1, it says, In those days, the number of disciples was increasing. And the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples. They, had a, they put a committee together. They formed a team because there was a problem. It says they gathered. It says, brothers, choose from among you, from among you um, men who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and we will turn the responsibility over to them, and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the Word. And the proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and also Philip. And, and several other men. When these men were put in charge of, and it says they laid hands on them, and they were put in charge of the physical needs of the people in Acts. 
that have been become a part of the church. So all of a sudden, as this grows, they put structure to, to the church. Also in Acts chapter 2, they knew who was in. They knew who the believers were. They knew who was committed. Because in those days, if you committed yourself to the church, there was a good chance that you could lose your life. You know, today here at Fairlawn, we desire to continue to implement these biblical principles that we see all throughout Scripture, that we see in Acts. But in order to accomplish these biblical principles, there's a need to put into place structures to accomplish those. And here are some of the principles that, that we desire to accomplish here at Fairlawn. We believe the local church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were making disciples. The church is a place where discipleship happens. It is a place where we give and receive love through fellowship. It says they gave themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. This is a place where we gather to fellowship. And fellowship is more than just a couple of minutes. Hey, how are you doing on a Sunday morning? Fellowship is deeply committed conversation and care for one another. And in the early church, that was happening. And, and we desire to see that happen in this place. It is a place where we desire to see prayer happen, where people are praying for one another, where you're inspired to pray and to ask for prayer. See, God has designed the church, the church family, to be an essential part of your spiritual journey and your spiritual growth. And outside of, of, the, of the, the structure of the church family, I, I don't believe that you can on your own grow spiritually. Now, the structure looks different in many places. You know, there, there may be a place down the road that where, where six families are gathered together and they are fellowshipping. They are being discipled. It looks different in different places. We feel like this is what God has called us to but you have to be a part of a church family if you want to grow. It's biblical. That's the way you are disciple and you disciple yourself. So we have a structure in place to, to accomplish that biblical principle. The church also is a place of healing and restoration. You know, the church is a place where you should, should be healed you know, a place where you can be restored into the fellowship. Go with me to Galatians chapter 1. Now again, there are, you know, some of you have been hurt in the church. And you've not experienced this healing and this restoration. But in, throughout the scriptures, there are places where the church restored and helped to bring healing to people that have walked away from their faith. In Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, it says, Brothers, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. It says in verse 2, carry each other's burdens and in this way you fulfill the laws of Christ. As a body of believers, we're called to carry each other's burdens. To care for one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, go there with me. And see, if you're not a part of a local body of believers, 
When you, when you stray from your faith, there's nobody there to bring you back. There's nobody there to, to, to keep you accountable. And the local body exists so that when you walk away, when you stray from your relationship with the Lord, it's there to gently restore you and bring you back. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's a story of a man that had been, sleep, had, been, had been in immoral sin. And this is what Paul tells the church in Corinth to do. It says, it says that we're in, in verse, verse 13. I'll start in verse 12. What business of a mind is to judge those outside the church? You see, it's not our responsibility to judge those that aren't in the church. It's not our responsibility to judge unbelievers. But he says, are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. But he says, expel the wicked man from among you. So obviously there was, there was some kind of a... Of a I'm not saying membership, but he was a part of their body because he was expelled. He was put outside of the fellowship of the body. Now, if you go to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and many people leave, this, this is talking about this same man. Not only did they expel him, but they also restored him. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. It says, if anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely. He's talking about this, this person that had sinned. But he said, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed to excessive sorrow I urge you, therefore, to affirm your love to him. This man that they had put outside of the church, they now were restoring to the fellowship. They were bringing him back in. So, so there's this accountability. There's this, there's this thing of us restoring one another and caring for one another. That's why the local body exists. You know, this is the place where we show off our spiritual perfections, where we flaunt our spiritual stuff, where we show everybody how good we really are and how much we have it together. The church is a place, is a hospital where we bandage people up, we strengthen them, and we equip each other so that we can in turn can go out and help to bandage and care for and equip other people. Sometimes we're the ones being bandaged and we're the ones being cared for. And sometimes we're the ones that are doing the bandaging and the caring and the equipping. But the body exists for that purpose. And we need people that are going to speak truth into our lives who are lovingly and, and genuinely concerned about us. That's why the church exists. The church is a group of people who are learning and growing in their relationship with Christ and each other. And we have structures 
to help create that. The local church provides a structure for believers to exercise their gifts and abilities. You know, if when you go to, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14 and Romans chapter 12, it talks about the body and how all of us are a part of the body and all of us are called to use our spiritual gifts. In Acts chapter 12, verse 16, it says, From him, the whole body, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the body grows and is built up as each person does their job, as each person uses the gifts and abilities that they've been given. We're here to build each other up so that Christ can be glorified. You know, it's never about us glorifying ourselves and again saying, look at my spiritual gift. Look at what I can do. It's always, I have been given my gift to bless you and to encourage you as a body. You have been given a spiritual gift to bless those around you, not to build yourself up, but to bless others and to glorify Christ who is the head of this body. And God has given this church every gift that it needs to fulfill the plans and the purposes that he has for it. And when one part stumbles, when one part isn't doing its job, and one part is neglecting the gift that has been given, the whole body suffers. And soon we can limp along and not get anything done because the body isn't engaged. So you're called to do your part. And everybody sitting here this morning is called to do their part. If you're here visiting from another church, you are at your church because you've been called to play your part to glorify Christ. The church is when it functions like that. It is a beautiful thing, and it is, it can be the hope of the world through Jesus Christ. Have you committed yourself to being a partner with the church? Are you willing to partner with us to fulfill God's plan and purpose that he has? Are you willing to partner us with us so that Christ can be glorified? The church exists to make disciples. It exists to be a place where you can receive healing and restoration. The church exists as a place where you can exercise your spiritual gifts and abilities. These are all biblical mandates. These are things that, that the church is called to do. And in order to accomplish those biblical mandates that we have been given, we have structures. You know, this morning many of you came for the adult Bible fellowships. And now, there's nothing in the Bible that says, now on the first Sunday of every month we gather together in adult Bible fellowships to encourage one another. It is a man-made structure to fulfill a biblical principle. Every Sunday morning, our children gather in children's church, and they're discipled, and they're mentored. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that, that we need to have children's church on Sunday morning. It's a created structure to fulfill a biblical mandate. 
Community groups and ministry teams are, are structures that we have in place to fulfill a biblical mandate that we've been given. These structures are to help us to create a place where we can experience God together. Is it a place where we can experience unity with one another? Is it a place where we give and we receive? The local church is a place also that provides accountability. And here's where I, where, here's where I get really nervous. Turn with me to, to Hebrews chapter 13. And you may get nervous when you read the first part of this verse. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Pretty easy. Just do what I say. And sadly, this verse has been taken and has been applied like that in many cases. Hebrews 13 says, do what your leaders say. End of story. But when you read the whole scripture, this next part is what makes me nervous. What makes me lose sleep. It says, they, have been, they keep watch over you as men who must give account. What that's saying is one day when I appear before my Lord, I will be accountable for how I led the Fairlawn Mennonite church. I will be accountable for the things that I taught. I will be accountable for the way that I cared for this body. And for me, that's a pretty sobering thought. That one day the Lord will look me in the eyes and I will have to be accountable for how I have led you. And our elders will have to give account for how we have led this body. We are responsible for your spiritual well-being. We are responsible to discern and to teach right doctrine and theology. We are responsible to care for you. And as a leader, I take that very, very seriously. And as a leader, I prayerfully, and as a leadership team, we prayerfully ask our Lord continually how we do that how we lead this body. But as leaders, we have to know who we're responsible for. You know, am I responsible for that person that shows up once a month and sits on the back bench and then, then leaves who I don't know who they are? Am I responsible for that person that, that is mildly engaged and, and, and never is, is involved in the life of the church? Am I responsible for the people at the United Methodist Church and, and Joy Baptist and, and, and Freedom Fellow? Am I responsible for them? And it says that we're, you're to obey your elders. What elders are you responsible to? Are you responsible to the elders at, 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 at Joy Baptist or at Freedom Fellowship or at the United Methodist? Who are you responsible to? Which elders? And there is where this structure of, of, of membership comes in. Because when we know who is a part here, who understands the vision, who has bought into the vision and is willing to serve and support and encourage, then I know who I'm responsible for. 
But it's hard for us to know unless you let us know that you've bought in, that you're a part of who we are. Because we're responsible to protect the purity of the body of Christ. We're responsible to protect the doctrine of this body. We're responsible to protect your view of who God is, our theology. And so as the church grows, as a church grows, this becomes more and more of a challenge. And so when I think of church membership, yes, I can't go to a verse and say, you have to be a member. But I want, just, just, I want, you, I want to share my heart with you why I believe that church membership is, is important. Number one, it provides you with accountability. So that you know you are accountable to a body of believers. That's biblical. It's a place where you can exercise the gifts and abilities you've been given. It's a place where you can be cared for. But we have to know who we're caring for. And that's important for us because then we know who we're caring for. We know who we're responsible for. And our heart isn't at all to control you or to tell you what to do, our heart is to care for you and to give you the best possible care that we can. And we believe the way we can do that best is if, if you choose to partner with us. And we're saying we value membership. And we want you to come and we want you to know what we're about. You see, next Monday night when we do a membership class, that's not going to be a list of rules of things you can and you can't do and, and, and what you can and you can't wear. It's going to be more sharing our vision of the Fairlawn Mennonite Church, telling you what we believe, because unless you know what we believe, you shouldn't even consider becoming a part of this body. You need to know what we believe. You need to know what our vision is. Because maybe our vision has nothing to do with, with your vision. doesn't make, make it right or wrong, but, but why would you want to be a part of a body that you don't have the same vision for? So it helps us to explain our vision for the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. It helps us to explain how we operate, how we're structured. And that's important for you to know as somebody that's attending a church. You know, you should ask us some really hard questions when you start attending here. Because becoming a part of a, of, a, of a church family is a very critical decision for you to make. It's something that shouldn't be done flippantly or just because it's the next great thing, but it should be because you believe in the church that you're attending. You believe in the vision. And you can buy into that vision. You know, and if our vision resonates with you and our beliefs are where you're at, then I, will, I encourage you to partner with us to become a part of this body. If it doesn't, if our vision isn't what your vision is and you don't believe what we believe, then you need to find a place that you do. A place where you can be used and you can be fed. If you're not sure where you're at, I encourage you to continue to discern. 
If Fairlawn is a place that you want to partner with and you want to make your church family, a place where you want to, want to give and you want to receive, a place where you want to be loved and you want to love, a place that you can call your family. And we desire that you would partner with us as we journey together to make the body of Christ effective. Stand with me. Father, we praise you this morning for, for this beautiful thing called the body of Christ, for how you have set up this, this thing called the church as a place where we grow together a place where we can encourage and be encouraged, a place where we can laugh together and cry together and worship together. I praise you for the church. And Lord, I praise you for, for the churches in this community, for the many different types, flavors, kinds, sizes of fellowships that we have. And Lord, Pray that you would use them and bless them. Lord, and as churches, I pray that we could partner together to make you famous. Lord, I thank you for the Fairlawn Mennonite Church. Lord, I thank you for the, for the wonderful people that we are blessed with here. And I pray, Father, that together we could grow in our faith. Together we could impact together the, 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 the kingdom. Together we could storm the gates of hell. Together we can make a difference. Um, and Lord, I know we're in many different stages here, and I pray for every person that you would just do a work in them and help them to discern what you desire. And Lord, more than anything, my desire is that you would be glorified through this place. Father, this morning as we... Uh, Depart from here, Lord, I pray for the food that has been prepared. Lord, I pray for the fellowship that's going to happen around the tables, that it would be edifying and uplifting, and, and, and Lord, that um, we would just continue church over a meal. Um, and Father, just that, that through our lives, you would be honored and glorified. We pray in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, have a wonderful week. Um, remember, there are sign-up sheets out back. If you have any questions, please, please feel free to talk to me. Have a wonderful week.